Anybody ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. We are in Genesis chapter 38. We are going to start at verse 20. We're going to read five verses, although I'm doing more than five verses. Lord knows how long we'll be here. Uh, All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, go ahead. Genesis. Try it now. Okay. okay. Look at that. Genesis 28. Um, 20. 38. 38. Okay. 38. Okay. Starting verso, at verse 20. 38. 20 al 25. Okay, listos. Amen. Y Judá envió el cabrito de las cabras por medio de su amigo el Adulamita, para que éste recibiese la prenda de la mujer, pero no la halló. Y preguntó a los hombres de aquel lugar, diciendo, ¿Dónde está la ramera de el Enaim junto al camino? Y ellos le dijeron, no ha estado aquí ramera alguna. Entonces, Él se volvió a Judá y dijo, no la he hallado. Y también los hombres del lugar dijeron, aquí no no ha estado ramera. Y Judá dijo, tómeselo para, para sí, para que no seamos despreciados. He aquí yo he enviado este cabrito y tú no la hallaste. Sucedió que al cabo de unos tres meses fue dado aviso a Judá diciendo, Tamar, tu nuera ha fornicado y ciertamente está encinta a causa de las fornicaciones. Y Judá dijo, sáquenla y sea apedreada. Pero ella, cuando la sacaban, envió a decir a su suegro, el varón cuyas son estas cosas, estoy encinta. También dijo, mira ahora, he aquí son estas, mira ahora de quién son estas cosas, el sello, el cordón, el báculo. Entonces Judá lo reconoció y dijo, más justa es ella que yo, por cuanto no la he dado a Sela, mi hijo, y nunca más. La conoció. All right, y'all. That's Victor in Spanish. I'm going to do English. Come on, y'all give it up for him. <laughs> when Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adomite, to take back the pledge for the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the man of the place, where is the cult prostitute who was at Eom at the roadside? And they said, no cult prostitute has been here. So he returned to Judah and said, I have not found her. Also, the man of the place said, no cult prostitute has been here. And Judah replied, let her keep the things as her own, or we shall be last at. You see, I sent this young goat, and you did not find her. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and what it does to our souls, how it edifies us how it encourages us and how it makes wise the simple. And so we pray uh, that you would help us this morning under your word to understand it and to apply it. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. If you got Netflix, Kevin Hart has a new Netflix show out called Don't Blank This Up. I'm up here so I can't say what it says. Don't mess this up. I guess that could be the headline for everybody's life in here. We are all one stupid mistake away from blowing everything that we have. Or we could say we have blown it, but God didn't allow it to blow up. Kevin in this series is confessing all the ways he has messed up. It is clear in this show that Kevin Hart is not the long-awaited Messiah. 
one of his biggest mess ups is him cheating on his very pregnant wife. Kevin's sin impacts his family greatly, and he begins on a journey to right his wrong immediately. Social media gets wind of it, and you know how social media is. Once they get a hold of you, they get a hold of you, and they shamed him to no end. But Kevin is not my focus this morning. His wife and his kids are. Because Kevin admits that there was no reason for him to cheat. He said, and I quote, I brought this on myself. His marriage and his home life were as great as great can be on this side of heaven. His wife was faithful and supportive and nurturing, but his mess started to mess with her. His mess started to mess with her. Friends, just because you try to do right doesn't mean things will always go right. And she finds herself victimized by her own family. Kevin Hart is also on his second marriage, and now his children are left with a divided family. And although Kevin is trying not to mess this up, his actions have consequently messed up his wife and his children. Have you ever been messed up over somebody else's mess? I mean, I mean, I mean, you are trying to do your best to follow God. Your best to do right. The reality is some of the deepest pains we carry in this room came from our very own family. Family has damaged some of us so bad we have not been able to function in this dysfunctional world. And everybody wants to talk about family without dealing with family trauma and family turbulence. And some of us, if we're honest, are a mess because our families were a mess. In fact, some of the hardest pain to get through is when you try to do right only to be victimized, marginalized, and abused by your own family. For many of us, when we think of family, it's not the picture-perfect family. It's not the husband, the wife, and the two kids. When many of us think of family, the thought is not a hug but hurt. It is not trust but distrust. It is not care but damage. It is not refreshing but toxic. I tried that thing, and it didn't work. Is this thing even for me? Oh, I tried watering that fruitless pavement. Oh, and to answer your question, yes, I go to church. Yes, I prayed. No, I didn't cheat. Yes, I waited to have sex after marriage. And what do you mean? It's my fault. I was little. I did put on lingerie. He still didn't notice me. We're not going to be real in this room. I tried the good guy stuff, and I finished last. I was just the family's victim. The family system has hurt me more than it has helped me. In family and friends, far too long, we have normalized family trauma, dishonored the sanctity and potency of what God intended family to be. We have reinforced the wicked narrative that allows victimization to happen in one of the biggest established institutions, family. And just because we're family doesn't mean you shouldn't be held accountable for your actions towards me. We should not sit by and watch toxic family systems that, rep that reduce people down to anything less than image bearers. And I know that there are some people in the room, unlike Kevin Hart, you are crying something else. Not don't let me mess this up. But good God Almighty, don't let them mess me up. This was Tamar's cry in Genesis 38. Who is Tamar? <clears throat> well, many of you likely have no idea who Tamar is. She is like many women in the Bible, forgotten but important. 
I like to recover her story this morning and hope that we can see family victimization is real and how to identify it in others in ourselves. Family and friends, in many respects, we come to the most dysfunctional family in all of the Bible right here in chapter 38. This a, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of drama right here. And if you don't think the Bible is for sinners, don't look further than Genesis. I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't hide people's faults. The Bible puts it all out there. I'm so glad that there's not the book of Dexter because if it was, y'all might not listen to me this morning. The Bible just tells it all. This may be the worst chapter in all of the Bible. This chapter is earthly and it reveals the sinfulness of sin. And we are starting on the back end of this narrative. So allow me to catch you up, if you will, because if you're like my wife in the middle of a movie while we're watching the movie, if she missed some of the movie, she needs to know what happened. I'm like, you need to know what happened right now. (laughs) Can't catch you up later. But thank God for that pause button. I thought I would have got another amen somewhere. I got one. Come on. A pause button to save some marriages up in here. God is good, isn't he? Judah, the son of Jacob. Judah, one of Jacob's son who makes up the 12 tribes of Israel that that brings disgrace and shame on Jacob's family. We we start with a wedding that that, that should have never happened. And some of y'all like, stop right there, pastor. I can relate right there. Judah took the Canaanite woman Shua to be his wife. And Canaanite women are worshipers of false gods. Therefore, Judah starts out his marriage unequally yoked. And I say that not to shame his wife, but so that you can see off jump how sinful this dude Judah is. And this woman, Shua, bore three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Now here is where Tamar comes in years later. Tamar marries Judah's oldest son, Ur, thereby becoming Judah's daughter-in-law. And as the story unfolds, we'll see that Judah puts this young lady, Tamar, in an impossible living situation. He puts her in a condition in place where she cannot survive on her own. He, he victimizes her and marginalizes her for his own benefits. She quickly finds herself trying to function in dysfunction. And this woman becomes the victim of a dysfunctional family system. And there are a few things we will see. Tamar relationships with Judah's sons then Judah's scandal against Tamar, then Tamar tricking Judah, then the victim getting justice, then last you're going to see how God had Tamar back the whole time. Let's start with the first marriage. The first marriage is with Ur, E-R. So, 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 Judah, so Judah has three sons. Apparently, y'all, none of these jokers are godly or moral. This family is messed up. Judah gives Tamar, his oldest son, Ur, for a wife. We see that in verse 6. And listen, y'all, this joker here, Ur, this joker here, this dude is wicked. His name in Hebrew spelled backwards sound like, sounds like evil. In other words, his name gave him away. You know you're wicked when your name gives you away. The Bible says that God slew him because he was wicked. Here it is. Judah got a wife. Uh, Judah got a wife for Ur. His firstborn and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death. Now, if y'all know my God, like I know my God, God is one forgiving God. I mean, I mean... I, I mean, I mean, you sitting here is a testimony uh, that God is forgiven. Yeah, 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 yeah. You give God praise for that. Yeah, God is forgiven. Uh, but around, if God calls a joker wicked 
and then he slays him. That's one wicked dude. I mean, you think about the great, you think about the stuff you have done, and God ain't killed you. So my question is, what did this joker do? That God who's forgiven would kill him. Ask me what he did. Ask me what he did. I don't know. But whatever he did, it wasn't good. He was probably worshiping idols or something. But I can say there's some things that God ain't going to tolerate. Here Tamar is trying to be a faithful wife, but as you can see, she's dealing with some real dysfunction in her home. Can you imagine being married to the joker that God had to slay? God said, I'm going I'm to take this one out myself. All right. And she married to him. Y'all got to get in this story. <clears throat> we will see here in a minute that, 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 that there's really no way to sin without harming or affecting other people. It is impossible to sin and care about anyone. Let me say that again, because, you know, we like to negotiate that I can sin and still love those around me. But there's no such thing as just an isolated sin. Sin always affects those around us. It's just sin. Uh, when we sin, it's just like those young boys who got guns that can't shoot. They never shoot the one they're intended to shoot. They always shoot the innocent people. And this is what sin does. Sin always hits the innocent one. The ones we're not intending to hurt. Ur did not consider this, and now he is dead, and his wife is left to figure out how to pick up the pieces. Somebody's mess becomes your mess. Because sin is never individualistic. It always has societal consequences, and we have got to get out of this American mindset that people need to mind their business, and I just get to sin the way that I want to sin. But listen, your sin impacts the entire community, and the entire church. Can you relate? Left with a mess she didn't create. So the question becomes, Tamar, now what? Why is him being dead, church, such a big deal? Y'all are like, she's probably happy that that dude gone, right? That's kind of what I thought. I was like, hey, I mean, he dead. The Lord had to slay him, so you should be good, amen? Some of y'all got some thoughts. Y'all keep looking at me? Yes, but her situation is worse. Come on, y'all stay focused now. Don't let your mind go there. Y'all sanctified. Feel with the Holy Ghost. But her situation is worse now that her husband is dead. And you do not understand why her situation is worse if you do not understand the background of the society at the time. They had put a system in place to care for widows. Well, according to the customs and law of the land in Judah's day, to leave an heir for the oldest brother who died and made his wife a widow, the younger brother is supposed to have relations with the older brother's widow as to produce him an heir. Now, 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 before you start saying, Ugh, I can't believe that, that ain't nothing that I would ever do, that's so nasty, blah, 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 hold up, because we're not living in 2020 in this chapter. And one of the biggest ways we miss what the Bible has to say is that we oppose our American view on the text. And we start making judgments about what God is saying, and we come up with the wrong interpretation because you ain't did your homework. If you can't say amen, say ouch. This needs to happen because this woman owns nothing. She has no wealth. She can't go get a link card. She can't apply for Section 8. Nor can she move up the social ladder by going to school and getting a degree to provide for herself. She has a dilemma. Women were essentially left to depend on their father or husband to take care of them. And now she has no heir to take care of her. The only thing that awaits her without an heir is homelessness, hunger, and danger. I need you to understand our situation. 
So in order for her to get her husband's 401k and pension plan in in everything that he owns, she has to have an heir. She has to have a child. By leaving her an heir, she was able to inherit her dead husband riches. This was the broken system put in place to take care of the widowed woman. How they came up with this, I don't know. The same way I don't know how our government come up with half the stuff they do. She's just trying to function in dysfunction. Ultimately, the system placed the responsibility on the family to take care of this woman. It was the family's responsibility to make sure she was not homeless and destitute and left on the street and abused and used by man. It was the family's responsibility. But the story gets more dramatic. And so she's on to the second marriage with Judah's second son, Onan. So Judah goes to his middle son, and he says, hey, hey, bro, let me holler at you. Uh, I need you to do what the customs of the land is to do. I need you to go ahead and marry your brother's wife. Then Judah said to Onan, here it is, sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother." Homeboy doesn't do the right thing, y'all. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Doesn't. Uh, listen, he, uh, he didn't want to do the right thing because he felt as if uh, if I go into her and I have a child by her, that would not be my child. And I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to say y'all live by keeping it PG-13 so that I don't get no emails. So basically what happened was is, 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 is he didn't plant a seed in the ground and so no crop came and God wasn't, okay. <laughs> I mean, y'all just go read it. Y'all, I mean, y'all go read it. And y'all, y'all, y'all can sit up here and act like y'all know what I'm talking about if y'all want to. But the nursery ain't getting filled on its own. That's all I got to say. And so here it is, Onan. Onan uh, didn't park the car in the garage. He pulled it out. And when he did, when he did, God looks down on him and God slays him. Because he didn't take care of his duty. I need to pause right there because there's a word for you in the room. Let me talk to the man real fast. God cares about whether you take care of people who got your last name. That it doesn't matter. If you go to church, it doesn't matter if you read your word. It doesn't matter if you pray. God says if you can't take care of people with your last name, you're worse than an unbeliever. That there ought to be a desire down in the believer to take care of those who, uh, who has their last name. God is not cool with us planting our seed everywhere and not sticking around to water it and care for it. God is not cool with us abandoning our families while we lift up our hands and we pray to him. God said, don't talk to me, joker, unless you're going to take care of people with your last name. We must understand when we do this, we leave our children to fight in a dysfunctional world and deal with parental issues that they shouldn't have to deal with so early in life. So many children angry today with all kinds of behavior issues because they are fighting adult battles. Man, let's not walk away from our families or their mothers, if at all possible. Come here, Tupac. Help me out because this the way he said it. You know, it makes me unhappy. What's that, Tupac? When brothers make babies and leave a young mother to be a pappy. Come on, Tupac. And since we all come from a woman. Got our name from a woman and our game from a woman. I wonder why we take from our women, why we rape our women, why do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women, time to heal our women, be real to our women. And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies that hate the ladies. Y'all not with me this morning. If unbelieving Tupac could get it, you mean to tell me those who are filled with the spirit of God ain't got enough sense in their minds that God cares about us taking care of our family and treating our women right? Amen. 
And ladies, if you got a man that's trying to take care of his kid and he's no harm to the kid, you need to let him do it. Let him take care of his babies. Listen, this is crazy because, because the Lord sees this, right? But, 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 but here's, the cra- here's the crazy part for owning, fellas. I want y'all to hear this, and I want y'all to hear me well. That Tamar, by the time you get to the book of Matthew, you find out that Tamar is part of the lineage of Jesus. This is what you find out, right? Onan could have been part of the blessing of bringing the Messiah in the world. But he misses the blessing because he don't want to take up his responsibility. Okay, 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 you missed it. Some of you are missing the blessing because you're refusing to take care of your responsibility. And so God says, I'm not going to give you anything until you step up and take care of your responsibility because your blessing is in doing what I told you to do. Onan misses out and being part of the lineage of Jesus. And so when you get to Matthew chapter 1, ain't no Onan. No, he ain't there. He ain't there. No, I read it too. I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brother ain't there. Brother ain't there. And, 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 and the Bible's clear that God killed him too. Yeah, 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 he's gone. Uh, now listen, this is crazy because, because the Lord sees this sin against her and acts on her behalf. He acts in the behalf of Tamar. God did not create people. The pimp, the player, or the thought, Satan created those. And whether we want to talk about it or not, those kinds of behaviors has left our society. Let me just talk about Gary. Those type of behaviors, it's killing us. God has called us to be fathers. Don't let your mess ups mess them up. God cares and desires for us to take full responsibility. So Onan refuses. Ur is evil. God kills him. What you going to do now, Tamar? The toxic family system does not treat all family members equal. Tamar, being a woman, has negative implications. Nevertheless, both of Judah's boys are now dead, and Judah likely did not know about Onan's sin. All he knows is both of my sons are dead, and the common denominator is Tamar. She is blamed or looked at crazy for something she didn't even do. I believe this has much to do with her being a woman in that day. When we create systems that values one gender over the other, the less valued gender gets the short end of the stick every time. This is what unjust and broken systems do. I'll take you back to the 1920s, Black Wall Street. This is no different from the Tulsa massacre on Black Wall Street in 1920 when that young black shoe shiner, Dick Rowland, was accused of assaulting a white young lady by the name of Sarah Page. Mr. Rowland didn't have a chance. Why? Because the system in place value white skin over black skin, and in that situation, he didn't have a chance. Many people died in that massacre. Between 36 to 300 is what they say, but this is what happens when we operate in unjust systems that value people, not because they're made in the image of God, but we value them based on their skin color and their gender. But the last time I checked, when I parked in Genesis, he said that he made male and female in the image of God, which means that Everybody got the same worth, derived from the same place. Oh, we can clap about it, but if we believe it, we'll fight against systems that don't reflect that. These 
didn't create the system. She was just born into it. And this kind of constructed system that they put together to take care of her now is a system that's getting ready to turn on her. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, watch this, y'all, because the drama gets, I'm telling y'all, this is, this is crazy. We may be here all day. Kick up your feet. This is crazy. I'm just messing with y'all. Okay, here he is. Both sons are dead. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shalah grows up. So first son dead, second son dead. There's still one more. Now listen, this is what the Bible says, for he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. By the way, maybe you need to check your sons, okay? <laughs> so Tamar went to live in her father's household. Judah got one more boy. This boy is next in line, so he's supposed to be given to Tamar. Judah is like, I'm not trying to do that. Ever got blamed for the dysfunction of someone else? Ever got kicked out of somewhere for someone else's stuff? Their mess up has become her mess up. The family system put in place to serve her is now getting ready to turn on her. And Paul's, can you relate to a system that was designed to be good and has been polluted by evil and pride? The family system was designed to be good. Family system was designed for our human flourishing. Tamar was asked to remain in the house of her father until Shalah, Judah's third son, was old enough to marry. And that wasn't a long time. It was only until the boy was 16. Once again, their culture is different than our culture. Judah doesn't plan to do this. He's just tricking her. Now this puts her in a peculiar situation. You remember, without an heir, Tamar is doomed. She is essentially left powerless and pushed to the margins of society. Tamar is left to figure out how does she, a woman, function in a dysfunctional family system, a system that does not lend her power or a voice. She is quickly becoming the family's victim and has done nothing in the blame and shame it placed on her for someone else's sin, and she's in question of what to do. Her character is in question. Who is she? Toxic family systems put powerless people in awkward positions. Let me say that again. <laughs> Toxic family systems puts powerless people in awkward positions. Tamar tries to do what is right. I need you to understand this young lady is trying to do what is right. Pause. Have you ever been in her shoes? You're trying to do right but life won't do right. Systems will not cooperate. You feel like the rose that had to rise from underneath the concrete. You had to push your way through an unjust system. Many of us in the room wanted family the right way. I know it didn't work out the way you planned. You tried to honor God and not have sex before marriage. They told me in church, Pastor, that surely... If I do all the right things, that Prince Charming would ride into my life on a white horse. They told me that if I date according to whatever biblical standards that they have, that everything will work out. And if we're being transparent, Pastor, I wonder if the family thing is even God's plan for me. Listen, listen, listen. I hung my player head up, Pastor, and I still finished last, like Dre said, on power. Oh, oh, Pastor. Since you own this real thing right here in the back row, I got to be honest, this single mother thing is hard. I try being superwoman every day. I try to do the right thing, and I try to be honest, but it seems like every guy that I go out with just wants to sleep with me. And by the way, not only do I got to look for a guy suitable for me, I got to look for a guy suitable for my child. And when they find out I got a child, they don't want nothing to do with me. Yes, I prayed. Yes, I fasted. And yes, my situation is is still the same. I've been wanting to be a dad, but me and my baby mama not cool. Father's rights don't go far in this system. 
She won't let me see my children because I don't want to see her. Pastor, can I give you my autobiography? My mommy and daddy ain't together. And if we're just being honest up in this joint, sometimes I blame myself for them not being together. And people look at me crazy because I struggle with depression, but they don't know my full story. And I tried coming to church, but they look at me awkward and they look for me funny. They say that the church supposed to be for the broken people, but it seems like you can't be broken in church. It feels like you can't be real in church. So you tell me, pastor, what am I supposed to do? And now that I choose to take things in my own hands, now the church got something to say. Nobody had nothing to say when I was crying out for help. And you know what they say, as soon as they find out you're doing something wrong, they say, well, why you didn't tell us, we would have helped you. Well, I've been crying out, and nobody helped me. Well, Tamar wants to say something. Toxic family systems causes people to devalue themselves. Tamar turns to prostitution. Tamar is left at a dead end. She didn't get there because of her, but because of a toxic family system. She is left wanting a family, but word is likely out, she's cursed. Be with her and you die. Now, come on, let's be real. Let's, let's just be real, let's be honest. Tamar may have been a good-looking lady, and uh, you heard everybody she been with die. Uh, you may not shoot your shot, right? You may. No, 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 no. I ain't going down that lane. I ain't trying. To, I ain't trying to go six feet under today, brother. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going that way. She tried. Here's here's Tamar. She tried to wait and do right, but now word gets to her that her father-in-law wife is dead, and he goes back to. His single life, amazing how quickly he went back to it. I'm just saying. Tamar comes up with a plan. She gets rid of her widow garment. Remember, she's staying at her father's house. She's waiting on Judah's son to grow up. She hears that Judah, the wife has died. She gets rid of her widow garments. Tamar, the daughter-in-law of Judah, disguises herself as a harlot in order to get pregnant by Judah. Watch it now. Before you judge her or shame her, make sure you are more disgusted with the system that put her there in the first place. What is crazy is she has to degrade herself in order to have any value or to make it. It is shame when people have to become something less than what God created them to be in order to survive. In order to get this man's attention, she has to become something that he loves which is a sexual object. Instead of a person, uh, instead of being a person that she's loved just because she's a person. Systems become corrupt when people are valued by what they can do for us instead of them being valued because they're people like us. Oh, I'm preaching in this place. (laughs) But Tamar is getting ready to set this joker straight. She puts on her Middle Eastern veil to cover her face. All you can see is her eyes. She's in an all-out survival mode. She's been victimized by her own family and needs to do what she got to do. Judah doesn't see her face. He just sees her frame. That's all he sees is the frame, y'all. Are y'all quiet in the room. Because the frame got y'all in trouble. He ain't thinking about the brains in her head. He ain't thinking about the heart in her chest. All he sees is a pretty thing. And he says, my, my, my. Lord, have mercy. Oh, y'all ain't, the fellas, y'all, y'all, y'all just going to leave me out there by my, you ain't never said, Lord, have mercy. My, my, my. <laughs> but notice what is happening as he see her, sees her. Identity 
dictates our behavior to others. We feed dogs kibbles and bits because it's a dog. If we see women as sex objects, we treat them as sex toys, and we leave them along until we're ready to use it for our pleasure. Again, we treat people the way we see them. And if you see man, men as a wallet, you cash them all out. Judah thinking she was a harlot, he lies with her. This is what it says. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, come now, let me sleep with you. Now, let me just pause because how he got through all of that without knowing who she is baffles me. Ask me how I know. I don't know how he got through it without noticing her. Maybe Hennessy or Sirach has something to do with it. I don't know. I'm like, so you just didn't know who she was the whole time. Okay. But, 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 but what I love about this story right here is that God doesn't cover up Judah's sin. God doesn't cloak Judah's sin. Instead, he puts Judah's sin out in the open. I'm so glad that the Bible does that because when the Bible does that, it reminds Dexter Harris that God ain't just start dealing with sin when he started dealing with you. God's been dealing with sin from the beginning of the book. And so I'm so glad that God's grace can function and dysfunction. I'm so glad that grace Grace got a place in my place. I'm so glad that grace ain't confused when society is confused. That grace ain't confused when my family is confused. Grace got a place because remember, Tamar and Judah is going to be part of the lineage of Jesus. God's know how to work it out. God can use any Kevin Hart and Mrs. Hart and any sinful heart because grace got a place. Once again, this family is part of Jesus' line. Now, the story goes on. He sleeps with Tamar. But accountability, friends, helps purify toxic family systems. Judah is held accountable by Tamar. This is good. Watch it. Consequently, Judah lies with her. And then after he lies with her, she says, well, how are you going to pay for these services? Y'all just keep looking at me. Because you know family will do you wrong and beat you down even when you're down. So Tamar says, listen, we're going to make an exchange here. You're going to give me something, I'm going to give you something. But you ain't going to get away with this this time. If you ever go to the YMCA with us, you, you, you got to turn your ID in if you're a guest. Because, because they want some accountability. If anything jack up while you there, they know how to find your tail. So that you get your ID back when you leave this place. And so here it is. He says, Joker, you're going to have to give me some, some ID. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you my cane and I'm going to give you my signet ring. And that works for them and that all fine and dandy. And this is what he says. What, she says, what will you give me to sleep with you? She asks, I'll send you a young goat from my flock. He said, will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asks, he said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal, its cord, and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant. Judah leaves. He gets his boy that went with him, and he says, hey, I want you to go take this young goat back to that young lady and get my stuff back. Well, when he gets there, he don't see the prostitute. So he's asking around town, have y'all seen Tamar? Do you know what Tamar? Well, he didn't say Tamar. Have you seen the prostitute? Have you seen her? They say, ain't no prostitutes around here. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the one that sit by the gate over there. No, nah, bro, we don't know what you, bro, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't even do prostitution around here. We don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, y'all sure. I mean, I'm, we seen her. No, we ain't seen her, dog. And so he goes back to Judah. He reports to Judah, hey, Judah, we didn't see her. Judah says, okay, whatever, let her keep it. 90 days later, y'all. 
Boy, your sin in your past will show up in your future, won't it? Here it is. That joker thought that he got away. He thought everything was all clean and smooth. Tamar waits until she gets pregnant and somebody takes a picture. They airdrop it to Judah and they say, Judah, she pregnant, pregnant, dog. No, she, she, you sure she pregnant? Yes, yeah, she pregnant. Now watch Tamar now because Tamar got her Maury evidence. You know when you go on the Maury show. They got that little envelope and they pull that envelope out. And that DNA is the proof that you're the father. Well, you know, that signet ring and that cane was the proof that Judah was the father. And so word gets to him. Now watch this. Isn't it funny that those who want to be thoughts want to crucify thoughts? That those who want to scream justice don't want to uphold justice. And so it gets to Judah that Tamar's pregnant. Here he comes with his self-righteous self, the same dude who slept with her, the same dude who's been putting her in this condition. He wants to stand up and say, well, y'all know what the law is. Go ahead and burn her. Why would he be so hasty to say that? Because remember, Judah don't want to give his son to her. And so now he uses the system when it works for him. But when it doesn't work for him, he throws it to the side. But Tamar says, okay, that's fine. Go ahead. Ladies, y'all know how y'all are. Go ahead and burn me. But by the way, before you burn me, I'm going to burn you. Tell, tell Judah with his no good self. That the person who the father of my child is the one who owns the things in this bag. By the time the items get to Judah, can y'all imagine this Maury? Y'all, come on, let's go to Maury real fast. Here it is. Maury, like, bring me the test results. <laughs> this is what happened. This is what's going on in my head. And here it is. Judah opens the bag. He likes the obvious daddy. Oh, man. I'm in. No back to the block. You caught, dog. Accountability has a way of keeping those in power who want to overstep on the powerless in check. He's finally held accountable for his actions. And here's the beautiful part. What we see in this story is not so that we can highlight Tamar and Judah. But what we see in this story is God cares about those who have been hurt by family. That Kevin Hart can't mess this up when God is in the mix. Because when God is in the mix, God has a way of turning situations around. God has a way of, of, of fixing justice. God, God has a way of dealing with people who think that they're getting away with their sin. And here's Tamar. She's on the bottom. It seems like a scandal that's out of control. She don't know what's going on. She feels abandoned. She feels like God is not with her. She's nervous. She don't know what to do. And this whole time, God is working this thing out for her. But if you're at the beginning of the story, you don't see it. But by the time you get to the end of the story, God's sovereignty and his providence has this so calculated that God knows exactly what he's doing, that he's going to flip this thing upside down. So by the time he's done, Tamar can say, I started from the bottom, but now I'm here. I started from the bottom, but now I'm here. That's some of you guys, this story. You started from the bottom. The system had you down. But because you serve a God that sits in a higher court than the justice system, that sits in the highest court than those who have betrayed you, God, keep it here it is. Let me slow down. I want you to see it in the story because in the first six verses, the story starts with, Judah's sons in Tamar. Watch the story works itself back to its point of origination. Then in verses 7 through 11, Tamar appears to be a threat to Judah's son. Then right in the middle, Judah gets Tamar's pregnant. Then the nadir moment comes. But because just because uh, the, the story seems like it's out of place, God is still working. Watch this. Tamar gets Judah's stuff with the ability to expose his sin. 
Tamar is now a threat to Judah, but at first Judah was a threat to Tamar. And now it ends not as a story about Judah's sons in Tamar. Instead, it ends with Judah's sons by Tamar. She gets the heir she needs to turn her family life around. That's all good, Pastor. What that got to do with me? Because I came to tell you that all of us are little Tamars in a very real sense. And we need to be vindicated for the ways that our family system has jacked us up. But just like Tamar, we need an heir. And if you know what heir that God said. But I'm glad that God is better than Judah because God the Father did not leave his family destitute. God did not leave his family abandoned. But instead, God sends an heir and his name is Jesus Christ. And his story, just like Tamar's story, Jesus started on the bottom but by the time you get to the end of the gospel, now he's here. Here it is. He starts on the bottom. He suffers injustice. They spit on him. They mock him. They nail him to the cross. And when the wicked have thought they won, God on the third day rose him from the dead. And now the same people who stood over him now bow to him. The same people who buried him will need him to unbury them. Those who gave him a crown of thorns need to receive a crown of gold from him. And now Jesus our heir is fixing people's broken family problems because he's the heir that fixes everything. You ought to shout in this place because the victim received their victory. The prodigal makes it home. The slave becomes free. The orphan has a home. The barren woman rejoices. The beaten batter woman will have her dignity restored. The fatherless will have a father because God is faithful to do what he said he'll do. greatest servant to the family system is the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be the opposite of Judah. Manipulating systems to get our own way. Trampling on those who have no voice. Concerned about our own well-being instead of others. May you be like Jesus, who not only looked out for the interests of himself, but for the interests of others.